My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or a licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Hi, I'm Jane. I'm here with Amanda today, and we are Invisible Tears. We're going to do some mental health today. Yes, we are. We haven't done that in a while. No, we haven't. So we're going to really dive into PTSD. Mm-hmm. I did a ton of research online, got a bunch of info from here and there and here and there. So let's start off with what is PTSD and what does it feel like? First and foremost, PTSD feels different for everyone. And this is partly because trauma is an individual experience. For an example, a war veteran with PTSD may have different symptoms than someone who was physically assaulted. Yep. How do you know if you have PTSD? Some of the diagnosis that they use, some of the descriptions are if you've experienced trauma, if you had symptoms for at least one month, your symptoms interfere with your daily life, your symptoms aren't caused by substance use, and your symptoms aren't caused by another medical condition. So pretty much trauma. If you've been through trauma, experienced trauma, And that could mean so many different things. That could be being attacked, domestic violence, rape, being molested as a child, car accident, death of a child, anything that was a real traumatic impact on your life. Now, let's not forget, I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I do not diagnose anything. I have no medical degree whatsoever but I have PTSD. Yes. A lot of the things that I'm going to say and share, they're going to go off my own personal experience, my symptoms, what I have gone through with my PTSD. So it's strictly um, my experience with what I've gone through. Just get that out of the way because I don't want people to think that I'm some counselor or psychologist or anything. Exactly. Sharing your personal experience, which I think that everybody will certainly appreciate, you know, putting that real, putting that tangible. This is what, you know, generally speaking, this is what it is, but this is what I experienced. And this is sort of how I, my therapist helped me work through it. Exactly. Now, Amanda does have a little bit of experience with some of this stuff. She's an underachiever. So she has all these diplomas or whatever (laughs) on the wall. So she has studied most of this stuff with PTSD. 
Yes. So through my wellness practice, since I am a certified professional life coach, I also went in and explored some more um, certifications to help me with my clients because I came to realize that many of them had experienced some sort of trauma in their lives. So I went and I got, uh, I'm trauma certified. I am also certified in cognitive behavior therapy. I'm also certified in gestalt uh, psychotherapy. I'm a certified hypnotist. I have my diploma in modern applied psychology. I went and spent the time to make sure and educate myself because I wanted to give my clients the best type of toolbox that they could have in trying to get to the root cause of why they were initially seeing me in the first place. Makes sense. You know, totally makes sense. Yeah. So do you have a better description of PTSD? Your description was definitely great and well-rounded. I mean, just generally speaking, PTSD, so it's a mental health condition that's triggered by some sort of impactful or terrifying event. I will just generally speak. That's a very, very broad um, experience, right? And you very nicely and eloquently outlined that it can be significantly different for each individual based off of their experiences and their environment. A lot of symptoms definitely include flashbacks, nightmares anxiety, uncontrolled thoughts, and or possible triggers about the event too. Yeah, there is a list of uh, symptoms. Emotional reaction when you encounter a reminder of the trauma. Physical reaction when you encounter a reminder of the trauma. Avoidance. Yes, avoidance is a huge one. Yes, it is. Um, Avoiding memories, thoughts, and feelings that reminds you of the trauma. Change of thinking and mood. Ooh, that one was a that one hit that home, was right? huge for me. Treatment for that one was about a year. Problems remembering part or all of the trauma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I didn't realize that that was one of my symptoms until I watched my hypnosis video, which was eye-opening. It was pretty interesting. Negative thoughts of yourself, your future, or the world. Low self-esteem. Blaming yourself or others. Oh, I did that. Negative feelings like fear, guilt, or anger. Being less interested in your normal activities or hobbies. Feeling detached from other people. Having a hard time feeling happy, positive, or optimistic. That was another one that took me quite a while to address in therapy. Symptoms of feeling on edge. Oh, I was always on edge. You know, when you lay in bed and you go to sleep and you just, your body just completely relaxes. Mm -hmm. My body never did that. Mm. And I never realized that until I did therapy. Now I go to bed and I realize, okay, just before I go to sleep, I can actually experience my body go limp, you know, just total relaxation. I never experienced that before, but I didn't realize that I was experiencing that. As you think about that now, though, your body's never actually experiencing complete relaxation for you to, you know, go to sleep. Just think about physically and mentally what that was actually doing to you. It breaks my heart to hear it, but it's it's so common, right? You were in a constant, heightened, extreme awareness state. Yeah, exactly. And didn't even realize it. That's how much I put my body and my mind into survival mode for 20 years. I, I didn't even realize I had that. Yeah. 
feeling irritable and having angry outbursts. Yes, I was very angry. All levels, all levels are angry. Engaging in reckless or self-destruction behavior. Suicide was, um, you know, I attempted it a couple of times and it was definitely on my mind quite a bit. Feeling tense or on guard. Yep. Being easily startled. I may have a few times, but I, I don't think I really experienced that that much. Having trouble with concentration or memory. I had a hard time concentrating on things, which turned into frustration. Do you have any others on your list? I think that you, for the most part, covered all of the ones on my list. The only couple of things that I would add was, as far as the symptoms, the dissociative reactions. In explaining those a little bit more, I mean, those can go a couple of different ways too. The dissociative reactions can almost be like compartmentalizing and putting yourself almost within what feels like a different person and looking at the situation for almost like from the outside. That That's really all about preservation and all about protection. It can go a couple of ways to in doing that, it can also make you not actually be aware of present surroundings as well. That was actually on the on my symptoms too. And the only other thing too was having intense physical sensations when reminded of the event, mainly like heart pounding, missed beats, sweating, difficulty breathing, fainting, that or feeling almost faint. like um, anxiety. Exactly. So all of the physical symptoms that one would experience with like an anxiety trigger. And nightmares and sleeping problems. Yes. I definitely had the nightmares and sleeping issues. There's also survival guilt. There's a few other things on there that weren't on the list. Those are like pretty much 20 symptoms, but I think there's a whole lot more. And like I said at the beginning, they, they've also reported that, you know, everybody's PTSD is different. Everybody's symptoms of PTSD are different. Depending on what trauma you had, depending on, you know, the length of your trauma. The ones that I really had to work on throughout the years was the anger. Yeah. The anger, the outbursts, very easily agitated. I had a temper. I would be fine one minute and then fly right off the handle the next. What I would do is I would absolutely make a little argument and blow it up to a big, huge thing, especially if I felt I was right and they were wrong or vice versa, or if I was being blamed for something I knew I didn't do. Um, another symptom that I didn't see on there was substance abuse and addiction. Yep. And I also read this somewhere too, because sometimes people are misunderstanding and thinking that that if you have substance abuse and addiction, that that could create PTSD in you, which isn't true. You have PTSD and substance abuse or addiction is a symptom of the PTSD. I guess they, they've done a lot of studies on that throughout the years um, because people are thinking, well, I have substance abuse or I'm an alcoholic and I've done some, made some really bad choices and now I have PTSD. After lots and lots of studies, they found that no, you have had PTSD before you even started a substance abuse or, or an addiction. So, you know, and obviously I've, I've been extremely open about my addiction. That was how all my counseling started was my addiction. It's very serious compulsive gambler. My addiction 
was my way of not dealing with the actual attack. You know, it was my way of escaping the reality of what happened to me. Even though it wasn't with a substance, you were essentially self-medicating because what you were doing is you were putting yourself into a situation where you didn't have to think about anything that had happened to you. It was your way of escaping. I have always said, always said, the root of addiction is trauma. And that includes substance abuse, that includes, you know, whether it's an addiction to gambling, whether it's an addiction to, you know, whether it's a sex addict, you know, any sort of addiction. Shopping, shopping addiction. Yep. If you drill deep enough, there's some sort of trauma there. Yes. And that's always been my opinion. Yeah, exactly. You could have gone through the trauma, but symptoms of PTSD doesn't arise. It could be six months after your trauma. It could be a year after your trauma. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not always immediately after, but I know back in the 80s and stuff, mental health wasn't addressed like it should be or should have been. Don't get me wrong. They've got a long ways to go to to address mental health the way that they should, but it has come a long way. Oh, yes. The sooner that you address your trauma after trauma, the less likely PTSD will escalate in your life. And they say that, you know, the sooner you get the counseling after trauma and you get really good counseling, depending on the trauma itself, you do have a less chance of your PTSD to escalate. And they say that the sooner you get the the counseling, most of the time, you can go years and you won't ever see any symptom of PTSD. Uh, I think they got a lot more studies to do on that. I truly believe that mental health needs to be addressed more. I agree. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. With that being said, triggers. A lot of people experience triggers after trauma with the PTSD symptoms. Some of the common triggers would be smells, sounds, tastes, images, being touched, certain locations, certain situations, words and phrases, and newspapers and social media. Now, I've had several conversations with my counselor in the past about triggers. We even had Our guest, Michelle Renee on, she talked a lot about triggers because her and her daughter experienced a lot of triggers with the PTSD symptoms. I myself can honestly say I really haven't experienced triggers like most people. I can say the newspaper and social media one has. If I see on the news or read in the paper that a woman was murdered, I will just, it stops me in my tracks and I just sit down and I just cry. Yeah, I still do that. I get extremely emotional when I hear of either a woman goes missing or a woman's body is found. It brings me right back to my attack. And it also brings me to think about the other victims of the Connecticut Valley Killer, Bernice and Kathy and Elizabeth and Barbara and Linda and Ellen and Eva. It brings me right back to them. As soon as I hear that, 
of all the triggers, that one is really, that one touches home. I mean, as far as location, I shop at the store where I was attacked. I know. <laughs> and people like look at me, they're like, what? I don't know why it doesn't bother me. In a way, I'm kind of glad it doesn't because I love the store. Right. For whatever reason, that store is not a trigger for me. I even know people that have told me after hearing your full account of what happened to you, they are scared of that location. <laughs> and I have to make sure and tell them and, and reiterate the fact, you know, I mean, obviously, certainly don't want to knock the business. The business didn't have any anything to do with it by any means and remind them that you still park in the same parking spot even and even shop at that store. Like the location doesn't have anything to do with any sort of trigger for you. So it really is amazing to me though. I pull in and instead of seeing the soda machine and a payphone, I see the red box. The red box. Yeah. And the payphone is gone. So it's like not really triggers, but it's just weird not seeing that stuff there. That's true. I have no explanation why I, that is not a trigger to me. Well, I'm glad that it's not. I am too. Like I said, I love the store. Yeah. And you've dealt with enough of the other symptoms as well that I'm so glad that you don't have and you haven't had any further triggers because as you've outlined, you've you've dealt with quite a few of the symptoms of PTSD, which has caused, you know, different things. And, and you've done a ton of work to work through them in therapy throughout the years. So I'm glad. Maybe it's because the other symptoms were so overpowering over my life that it just covered up the triggers. It's weird that you said that because the second you actually opened your mouth and started saying, maybe it's because it popped into my head because the other symptoms were so all encompassing and were so significant and so big that maybe that's why you didn't have any other triggers. Maybe. But you've said before, Jane, too, that when you finally, you know, started the therapy and first came to terms with realizing that you did have PTSD. You thought that she was crazy, right? There's no way I can have PTSD. I'm not, I'm not a veteran, right? Yeah, exactly. And once you saw all those symptoms and realized it and you came back to her and you were like, okay, yes, you're right. I do. And you guys started working through them. You had to work through every single symptom though, like one at a time. I did. So how did you guys work through those? What were some of the things that you did to work through those? Well, for one, we had to, okay, let's make a list of your symptoms. What are the symptoms that most impact your life in a negative way? Yep. So we started some therapy. There's several therapy options for PTSD. There are. One of the ones that I'd never heard of, which they use a lot with the servicemen and women, is EMDR. Some police agencies and some federal agencies actually use EMDR. So eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is what it stands for. Some of them even utilize that in witnesses to sort of like remember details when involved in traumatic events to try and get more details for a case as well. Exactly. And um, I really found that quite useful. So you actually did EMDR with your therapist? Yes, I did. Awesome did that for about two years. So just to explain to everybody to what EMDR is, so the, the basic concept of EMDR is really just to basically focus on the trauma while you're 
eyes are focusing on like a bilateral stimulation. So I don't know if you want to explain to people like what it actually was. What she did is she had this stand with this thing that went back and forth. There's a name for it. What is it? It's almost like a scale. Oh yeah. Almost like a pendulum. Pendulum. Yep. And I had to sit there, not move my head, just strictly my eyes focus on and follow that pendulum going back and forth, but at the same time talking about my attack. And I would just sit there and watch it go back and forth. She would ask me questions. I would talk about my attack, go through step by step what happened to me. And I know people are saying, oh, so you're reliving the trauma all over again. It didn't feel like that. It was almost like my attack in my mind was almost like it was scattered a little piece here and a little piece there. Like a, you take a piece of paper and you cut it up in all kinds of little pieces. And it was just scattered in different places in my mind. And in moving my eyes back and forth and actually talking and going through what happened to me, it almost like paced all these pieces of paper together. And then at the end of the two years, it was almost like, okay, I have this piece of paper pieced all together. And with my eyes moving, it would like grab one piece and one piece and one piece. Somehow it just uh, started taking these certain symptoms away. I was being freed of some of the symptoms. I think one of the symptoms was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it has been so long since I've done it. I, I really don't remember all the specifics of it. And while I was doing it, I also had to think of something positive. So when I did remember my attack or when I was thinking about my attack, it kind of made me think of it in a more positive instead of a negative. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And when I was started it, it didn't make any sense to me. But she was one, you know, give it a chance, give it a try. And And um, it helped me a lot with my anxiety. In explaining it, it may sound super abstract to some people, but maybe I can help explain like the overall concept of what is happening with that type of therapy. What you are doing is you are taking obviously something extremely traumatic, extremely negative, the most traumatic thing that's ever happened in your life, right? You are taking the pieces of that event. You are not only keeping your eyes focused on something. So almost like part of your focus is there as you're talking about the event. And then with bringing in something positive, what you're doing is you're reprogramming your brain. Exactly. For the association for the different pieces of your attack. In that, the reprogramming of your brain, the reprogramming of the patterns of the way that you think of events and different things that have happened, that is the basis of cognitive behavior therapy. That is exactly what it is. Yep. See, I'm not a therapist. I can't explain it. I sit here and I try to explain in like the most basic of terms, right? In in a way that makes sense. And it still may not make sense to some people by simply saying that it's just a way to help retrain your brain and put different patterns in there. Hopefully people understand that. Yeah. That's very cool. I actually didn't know that you actually did EMDR. That is so cool. The most intense therapy that I did was we sat in and started breaking down and going through every symptom. Not only do we focus on the symptom, I had to um, talk about, okay, when does this symptom arise? 
When do I have this symptom? What is going on at the time of the symptom? And what was hard with that was I couldn't sit there and say, oh, okay, yeah, two years ago, I dropped a glass and broke my broke my favorite glass. That made me angry. I had to, like every week, even when I wasn't in therapy, I was in therapy because <laughs> every week I would go in and say, okay, this happened this week. This made me extremely angry. This affected my life in a very, very negative way. I didn't know how to deal with it. So we would literally sit there and just completely talk about how angry I was. Why was I angry? What was the situation? What were my surroundings? And what could I have done differently? And what am I going to do differently when this does happen again? So not only did we really discuss what caused me to be angry, but she also gave me tools to address when I get angry like that, if that situation should arise again or a similar situation. So I was constantly in therapy for seven years. I mean, it was every day. I didn't notice so many things about me for 20 years. You know, I lived in complete denial for 20 years. You know, oh, I'm okay. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. And this is a normal way of living and thinking. And then when I started therapy, I really had to start really focusing on myself on a day-to-day basis. I mean, every day I had a symptom show up. <laughs> yeah, You know, a symptom was there. And so that week I would go in and I, I took a lot of notes during the week and I'd go in that, you know, therapy session and say, okay, I had these symptoms this week. Let's work on this. And this is why I had this symptom. This is what was going on. And we always figured out tools to address when something like this, you know, came up again. When I say I did intense therapy for seven years, I did intense therapy. It wasn't something I just went in, sat there, spoke to my therapist. Yep, this bothered me. This bothered me. I was so fucked up for so long and didn't even know it. As the weeks and months and years started going, it was easier and easier for me to notice symptoms and recognize them. And so it was easier for me to really focus on them and heal from them. It was a long process. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.